1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for a crossover episode today. We're going to talk a little bit of Orioles. And uh, obviously, everybody's very excited about the Orioles organization. Uh, They're off to a great start. uh, Lots of young talent. And the only thing that seems to be hanging right now is the Orioles do not at present have a lease in place on their stadium. And uh, want to make sure that we... Discuss that, what it may mean for the, for the Orioles' long term future, uh, as well as some massive reversals in court that have come up uh, uh, recently. Here to do that with me is Josh Sharuk,
2: the producer of the Film Study Show. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And I guess since it's Orioles, I should plug uh, Section 336 and Birdland Sports, which is my Orioles focus.
1: Absolutely. So uh, uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not subscribing already or you don't uh, uh, listen to 336 regularly, very worthwhile Orioles podcast. Uh, def- definitely worth the listen. Uh, Josh, appreciate you coming on this show. Uh, so, it, you know, I, I've just teed it up a little bit in terms of the situation here. But during the offseason, there was talking about about getting the lease extended for another, I, I don't know how many years, whether it's 30 or 15 or what, what it might have been with the Angeloses. And they left the thread hanging, as
2: far as I recall. Can you kind of update me or correct my thought on the process? Yeah, so they did. the The current lease expires in December of this year. End of the year, December 31st. Now, so part of it is that they need to re- renew the lease, but it's not, there's a lot of talk of people love to hate on the Angelos family. So they love to say, oh, well, that's a sign that we're trying to, that they're trying to leave Baltimore. When really you got to look at the bigger picture. and And part of that renewed lease, the Ravens just went through this recently with a long term lease, which opened up what was it, $30 million from the state? Um, I'd have to look up the exact number. I should have had that written down. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Orioles passed on a five-year extension because the Ravens, uh, let's see, they were trying to keep in line with the Ravens. The Ravens just signed a long-term deal which gave them a ton of money towards the stadium from the state based on the last legislation Session, but that requires a longer term lease. What the Orioles turned down was a five year extension while negotiating because the Orioles want to get into that money right away, which means they have to sign a longer than five year extension. Right. make Makes sense now. And, and this is a this is a uh,
1: the Orioles would use that money, presumably, or have it as an offset to however you want to think of it uh future improvements to the stadium. There's probably also a certain amount set for improvements to the stadium on a per year basis or some sort of a fund that they're building up as they Correct. go along for the lease. Yeah.
2: Yes, it is, but but the state legislation just set a, hey, if you sign a long term year deal, we'll give you this, give you thirty million, Ravens thirty million. Ravens sign their long term, the Orioles are about to do the same. And they'll do okay. it by the end of the year.
1: All right. Well, looking but, forward to that certainly. And and once the long-term lease is in place
2: and they'd be talking about a 15 year, you think they think it'll be on par with the Ravens? Yeah, I think it'll be 15 to 25, something like that. In order okay. I believe that's the rule in order to get this state money.
1: So if it if it was if it was more years, presumably it'd be more money, so it'd probably be the fewest years so that they can get have, renegotiate for more money.
2: Yes, yeah, so I just pulled up the money. If the Orioles sign a long-term lease, that opens up $600 million state money into the, into Oriole park at Camden yards. Okay. So, so that's it, why it's a, that's a big amount of money. Mm-hmm. It's why the Ravens signed and the Orioles will do, will do the same.
1: Okay. That's a, it's a, that it is a great number. Uh, Oriole park at Camden yards, definitely a, a ballpark that'll be worth keeping around for another
2: 30 years. Uh, certainly a place that, that, uh, and a, uh, and a place that needs the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, or two weekends ago, I went to Atlanta to Truist Park, one of the newer stadiums. And we always talk about Camden Yards as like uh, the start of this new generation of ball cubs. Well, Camden Yards is still every year listed as one of the top ballparks. But technology-wise and stuff, the other ballparks blow it away. Our jumbotrons look horrible compared to the modern ones. Mm -hmm. Our sound system is really hard to hear and understand at Camden Yards. So there's definitely things where that 600 million already has earmarked in and I'm sure knowing the Angelos family some of that money is to set up the stadium for concerts but most of it is for baseball.
1: Okay. All right and it, it, the Angelos family themselves uh with with uh, uh Peter's death uh m- Looming or here. Okay. He has he not
2: died yet. <laughs> yes, I,
1: I keep to I, me. No, well, it's it's uh, it's we're, we're recording this on May 16th. Just so just so you know here. And uh, and if you know when it when it occurs, which which obviously is is uh, going to be close. There presumably will be a significant estate tax issue for the for the uh, Angeles family.
2: Yes, I'm sure you know how it goes with these big corporations. There's the states work it out mm-hmm. to make sure but yes there'll be something going on and maybe i th- i know there's already some stuff where in, it's in a trust and stuff so i know that helps avoid some of those uh, state laws but yes peter angelos is 93 years old and pretty apparently all the reports are pretty weak and out of it so his sons have had their own inner-workin battle over ownership of the team but john angelos seems to be the managing person
1: okay All right. So if if, uh, uh, you know, uh, estate taxes, you know, start kicking in at at 10 million, I believe, right now uh, in terms of so it's it's very significant. Angelus would not be leaving the team to a wife, correct? Oh, his wife is still around as well. Okay, so there are a few years for which she can own it and there'd be and there'd be a a hundred percent deduction on the money. But uh it uh it it's not gonna pass uh tax free. I know the Ursay is when the when the when uh uh the original Ursa moving moving man man uh left uh had a problem with estate taxes as well.
2: Right. Yeah, it's forty percent is estate state taxes, federal
1: taxes. And and it's more than that actually, because the state estate taxes are also sixteen percent. So it ends up being uh, being a oh, fifty point four percent uh is is the total fifty point four or forty nine point six one of the right. two for every marginal dollar over ten million that's that ends up being a lot of money. Uh, obviously, if half of it has to be as you would pay, so I I personally it's a, it's an amount of money so large I can understand why the Angelos are scrimping and saving and try to figure out how do I keep the ball club.
2: Well, well and it, and that is why there's conversations about selling the team. It's not about moving them to Baltimore. But it's about the it's about the finances and the behind the scenes stuff that we don't we aren't privy to.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, that's it's certainly a possibility here. Now, obviously, we just had the the move of the Oakland
2: A's to well, Las we're, Vegas. We're about to. We're, we're it has not even officially been announced, but all things are pointing to that in 2027 the Oakland A's will be in Las Vegas. And that is just an unbelievable hell
1: they will face in the intervening years is all I can say. They're already facing it now. They may be the worst team in, in baseball and they have fans at home that are basically uh, walking around with signs every, every game. The ones who are there, but you know, they might move to a minor league
2: facility in, in Las Vegas. Um, I have not seen that yet as far as where they're going to play because yes, you don't want to move. You're not going to get a great fan base. There's different things because Oakland is really close to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So you can compare it to the Orioles and the Nationals. And they're, they're so close together. But it's also, for your diehard Oakland athletic fans, they can still travel to Vegas easily. I don't know, for me, if that was in the Orioles situation, I'm not following that team. That team's dead to me when they leave. But yep. I, know there's, I know many people who... When the Colts left Baltimore, they still be, they continued their culture. I, I, I
1: know a handful I, of people. Right. It doesn't <laughs> work for me, yeah.
2: but I know some people
1: yeah, right. have. I, I, let me just say I grew up near the ballpark, about a mile from Memorial Stadium. I can't even imagine in a daily sport doing that. I, I can't imagine doing it in a weekly sport, but I certainly can't imagine doing it in a daily sport and supporting a team for an owner who, who you know, pulled the rug out from under you and no, no dice on that, and particularly on a daily sport. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Oakland,
2: of... Oakland's a tough comparison because the city did not support this team. Mm-hmm. They had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to replace the Coliseum, and they showed that they had no interest in helping out. So that's, that's kind of the heart of them leaving is, hey, this other city says we're going to help you out.
1: The reason I brought up the A's in part, was was in part to compare to San Francisco, but also to say that once the A's move, kind of the who the red marker is on now changes one down or one up, depending
2: on how you want to look at it. Who's the next team likely to? Uh, well, or- there's the next team is Tampa, uh-huh. because Tampa has a hor- Tampa continues to win, and the one thing we talk about with uh, and we've seen it with Baltimore baseball is when you win, the fans show up. Well, Tampa wins, and the fans still don't show up. And they don't have the support of the city. They need a new stadium. The city doesn't support them. Stadium's in a horrible location. The city doesn't support them moving it to a better location. Um, So Tampa's the next one on the list. Right now, Orlando is making a push for an expansion team or also trying to convince the Tampa Bay Rays to move in to the central state and move to Orlando. So thirty-two teams
1: would be a possibility, certainly, for the um for major league baseball, but by doing so, aren't they creating an additional problem that it takes away two sites which are which are good ones for baseball potentially without addressing the current
2: lousy sites? No. Uh well, yes and no. We will be to 32 teams in the next three, four or five years. I'd say well, that's uh, you know what? I'll be more generous. I'll say seven. By 2030, we're going to be at 32 teams. Okay. Rob Manfred, that is his mission, is to get to 32 teams. I think we're seeing TV deals help a lot in that, and I think because of TV deals, we're going to see smaller stadiums. In the future, stadiums don't need to hold as many people. You're going to see stadiums slightly smaller because you're making all the TV money with the HD, 4K, and all that. You're seeing that already progress in other sports. But I think... This is why it's important that the Athletics go to Las Vegas because you check that issue off. And the Tampa Bay issue will be worked out in the next two years as well because you have to have that fixed before you expand as well. And once you get those two arranged, it's why the Oakland issue has been pushed. It's why they've been pushing the Tampa issue and negotiating and planning some things because they have to button those up before they talk to Nashville, Portland, Montreal or Orlando? Okay, Nashville, Portland, Nashville, Portland, Montreal, Salt Lake City, and Orlando are the current cities pushing okay, for it.
1: So presumably, Tampa could move to Orlando. Montreal, no way in hell are they getting another team. I don't care what they what they say.
2: Where, yeah. How are you feeling so, about that? <laughs> Montreal is tricky <laughs> yeah. because Montreal got screwed more than anyone with the baseball strike. Montreal was going to win the world series that year and they got screwed with the baseball strike and it never bounced back. And then they lost it to the nationals. Um, so I see Montreal is one of those soft spots for a long-term baseball fan. And I think Rob Manfred, like every sport we're seeing this in the NFL, you're seeing the NFL, the NFL desperately wants to expand to Europe and to Mexico because they want to be this international sport. Mm Mm-hmm. Baseball wants to do the same thing. They're doing this World Baseball Classic every three, four years. They want the same thing. So I think Montreal is intriguing because it gets you over the border. But I think I think the frontrunners right now are Nashville and either Portland or Salt Lake City. Okay. Because those are big holes on the map. Right now, Nashville is Braves country. North and South Carolina is Orioles country. There's a big gap North of Atlanta, your next Major League Baseball team is Baltimore mm-hmm. or, or Washington, either one. But so, there's a big gap there. So Nashville is number one. The, the last change, of course, when, when, and
1: the, the, the big one was when the, team, the league was – they, they were at 30 teams already, and they were talking yes. about expansion or contraction. Uh, Was it were they at twenty eight at that point, or they at thirty at that point? When Minnesota and and Montreal were slated to contract briefly, and then they said, "No, we're not doing that. We're moving." They were at
2: thirty. They were at at thirty because they were because that was already we went to thirty with Colorado and Florida, Colorado and the Marlins, right? I believe those were the two that that twenty nine and thirty. So we were already there. Okay, because um they came mid 90s yeah Yeah, they came mid 90s and then it was early 2000s when we moved the nationals or moved the expos okay so the, the
1: the 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 a lot of people said at the time that they they didn't really fix the problem with having too many baseball teams at that point they just moved The problem to another location and moving it to to Washington absolutely screwed the Orioles in terms of their market. Um, Totally. It it is, it is, I'm so frustrated about this as a regular soapbox item for me. But, um, you know, obviously, twice in 1961 and again in 1971, the Orioles whipped a team out of DC and they've won that battle twice for this single market, is the way I look at it. I've said from the beginning of this, I think they're in a 30-year struggle again with the Nationals. I don't know which way it'll go for only one team to win. I'm, I'm very concerned, obviously, with the Nationals' World Series title, and, and the, the, a lot of it was around the two number one draft picks in a row with Strasburg and Harper, that they were, uh, were going to be the team that, that survived it. Now the Nationals are in the dumpster again a little bit, and it looks like it's not an obvious thing to me anymore. The Orioles are certainly on the rise with Elias and, and a lot of young talent. But why shouldn't I believe that we're still headed for something like that, where there's only going to end up being one team in the Baltimore yeah. slash
2: DC market? Um, yeah, and there could be. And right now, I would the Nationals have struggled to draw uh, outside of their World Series year. But I think, yeah. But you're right. If you look at the history of the Orioles, all through the 90s, Camden Yards opened up in '92, and all the way up until the 2000s, yeah, they were drawing. 40,000 plus a game on average. They, they, a lot of
1: people don't know this, but for the entire 1990s, which includes two years at Memorial Stadium, they led the major leagues in attendance for the
2: entire decade. Right. So now, uh, part of that is a lot of DC money and DC businesses because we were 45 minutes out, an hour out. We will never get that back as while the Nationals are in. And since the Nationals came, our attendance has dropped that since then we've been 26, 27,000 averaging. We did get up in 2014 to 30, um, and then we've been hovering around 25. People like to think really short-term and think, oh, well, uh, 2019, we were at we averaged 16,000. That's horrible. But that's, was this, that was the start of our rebuild, where we said, hey, we're going to be bad for a while. 2020 was COVID year, so no fans. Mm-hmm. 2021, we averaged 9,700 a game. That's, That's embarrassing. Yep. Last year, that bounced back to 16. You're going to see a bounce back this year where that number is going to increase again. On Mother's Day this past week, there was 35,000 people there for a Sunday afternoon game. Mm-hmm. That's all good signs. Winning baseball and excitement brings crowds back. Um, there's definitely cultural things that have changed since the 90s as well, outside of the Nationals. Um, Baltimore is, has been in the news a lot the past few years for danger, concerns, violence, crime, and that always hurts the team, especially when the team is dedicated to being in the city. And I like that. They should be part of the city. So part of that is going to be a problem for them that they're going to have to work with the city to make people feel safe, and not only make people feel safe, because when you go to Camden Yards, I've never felt dangerous going to Camden Yards, and I've been—I was down there in the middle of the riots where they locked us all in the stadium. Still, not, didn't feel dangerous getting to my car right. afterwards. I right? agree, it's perfectly fine. But for the people that don't go all the time, and all they do is hear on the news about how Baltimore's dangerous, it's gonna hold. It's gonna keep you away. So they need to do a little bit better with that with the city and marketing and PR of, hey, it's safe to be down here and that'll help. But it's unfair to expect 45,000 fans a night and think that that's what it takes to keep your baseball club alive now because of those TV contracts. Let's
1: let's go to the TV contracts for a moment because this is my big, big part of the whole market switch of the Expos. Yes. The Expos coming to be the Nationals, the Masson deal was supposed to be the wear guild for the Orioles losing a portion of their market. It was supposed yeah. to be their payoff was they got Masson, and they, they, Washington, if you want to play here, you're playing under this shitty deal that, right. f, that for, for, for Masson. And now the
2: rules seem to have changed. We're, we're feeling sorry for the Nationals, and we want to give them money. It's very interesting. Major League Baseball screwed the Angelos family. And people don't like to hear it because even the national media – is fed up with Peter Angelos and has a bad taste in her. And part of that is there's a lot of big guys up at ESPN and MLB that that went through the Baltimore Sun and dealt with the Orioles in the 90s. And they learned to not like the Peter Angelos family. And that, it sucks because Major League Baseball did. They promised the Orioles, they made this promise that, hey, to make sure you're not financially killed and you are a mid-market team, to make sure you don't become a small market team We're going to give you the TV rights to the Nationals. Then after the deal was done, after the team was in place, after the Orioles couldn't do anything about it, they took it back. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, well, no, we got to renegotiate, and you owe the Nationals a ton of money. So it's not – people don't like to hear that, but the Angelos family, I hate that this lawsuit is dragged out so long. It's now at the point that the next appeal goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's how long we've been dealing with this.
1: I mean it, it, that'll that will give closure on the situation yes. but but I, right. I'm not sure why um, you know it, it the, the next appeal is an appeal of some technicality of what's happened so far. It's not even necessarily a resolution of the entire thing although I guess depending on what they're appealing to the Supreme Court right whoever gets denied this next time it's probably probably is a
2: sharp uh, shiv to the gut for their, no, for their legal hopes. It's going to be the end of this. Okay, There's going to be a winner or a loser, and it looks like right now the loser is going to be the Orioles, okay. which sucks because I guess it was a lot of good faith that the Orioles had in doing this, and um, the Major League Baseball was so desperate to get a team into Washington, D.C. that they kind of messed this up because, you know, growing up, the Orioles controlled that market. That was all Orioles. All of Virginia was Orioles.
1: Mm-hmm. so All of North Carolina, pretty much. I mean, you, you really have to get pretty far down, whether it's, right.
2: it becomes Yankees or Braves or whatever. It, the Braves and it's, still, well. it's still technically North Carolina, South Carolina is um, in Orioles country. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely hurts. And it's, I don't think, I know there's a lot of talk that the Orioles don't spend money because they're holding off for this lawsuit to end. And yeah, the Orioles have like, what is it? $300 million sitting in a, in a bank somewhere waiting for this thing. But they were also one of the, they were also the most profitable team last year. Something like that. They were one of the top. They walked away with $46 million in profit at the end of the day last year. You know,
1: I have to really go through that as a finance guy to accept that. Cause if a lot of it came from the mass and money, then I need to know that that it's truly earmarked for them, so if the forty six million has thirty million of mass end profits right. or even thirty
2: million of no, mass and in revenues, and that's what we don't know yeah, they so, were the fourth most profitable m l b team last year is what we do know okay so, I,
1: I i it's that is so opaque to me
2: in terms of a number i can't well, this this is where John angelus rubs people the wrong way because he's asked about it, and he says. Oh, we're an open book. Come on over, and you can flip through all the pages of their, our ledger. Mm-hmm. But then he takes it all back. So that's where the Angelos family hurts people. Interesting. Um, I wonder that if this offer is any open to anyone. No, he shut that down after being asked over and over again about it. Okay. He shut that down. Hem and Dan Connolly. Look up Dan Connolly and his interaction. Um, John Angelos did not do any favors for the Angelos family on how he handled that. All right. But but yeah, check out Forbes. They're the ones that wrote the Orioles as the fourth most profitable last year, and that was partly because the Orioles didn't spend much money last year on players. Right. But again, it comes back to the, about the longevity and the Orioles in Baltimore, and it's, there's nothing to think that the Orioles would leave Baltimore. There's been no talk outside of people who dislike the Orioles and people who dislike the Angelos family Bringing up random rumors every time, saying, "Oh, Nashville, Yes, John Angel owns a house in Nashville. Yeah, he really seems to love the music industry, and his wife is like a CEO at a music company. That's great. Yes, he's the one pushing for Birdland Entertainment, which brings concerts into Camden Yards. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a good thing to use Camden Yards. It's a great value, sure. great, great opportunity to use it. And the more you use it, If you have a Billy Joel and Elton John concert, that happens once a year or once, not even once a year. For those type of concerts, you're saying that type of concert. Paul McCartney, you've seen him, what, 10 years? It might be his last time ever performing in Baltimore. You're going to get people coming out to those concerts that will not risk the dangers of Baltimore to come to an Oriole game. And suddenly they say, you know what, I felt pretty safe going to Camden Yards. And that's going to lead into them coming to baseball games.
1: Okay. I mean, that, that's a fair statement. Uh, Josh, my, my fears are much more at a theoretical level. They're not at the, Angelos has a home in Nashville.
3: Angelos' family is tied. Right. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: The Nashville community—it's not—it's not any of that crap. It's the fact that this damn market is not big enough for two baseball teams, and and we keep proving that. And the
2: Orioles keep winning the battle twice in sixty-one well, and seventy-one. Well, if we look at last year, which was a down year for attendance, uh, the Orioles were still drew more people to the stadium than Oakland, obviously Miami, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland and cincinnati okay so it makes them eighth to the bottom in a 30 in team league and the nationals were where? A, yes but they're in the middle of a rebuild the nationals last year where were they and, uh they were seven they were 17 and we were 23 okay so, so last, year the, last year the nationals out us all right I, I i i'm sticking with that point here these two teams are 17 and 23 in
1: the total major leagues in attendance where you had a team that led the entire major leagues yes. in attendance during the 90s. I don't need right. that to happen again because that is an unrealistic continued expectation. In fact, it was already trending down by the time the Nationals got here because of the bad play of the late 90s and early 2000 teams after the 97 well, playoff run.
2: And you've seen this team change the way they spend money. Where you, mm-hmm. In the late 90s, we were bringing in Sammy Sosa. We were bringing in these big names and paying a lot of money out. And, and we don't Alamark. do that as much. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, they
1: had some. They had some good expenditures. They had some good contracts in the nineties. A lot of people didn't like the fact that the Orioles had one of the highest payrolls in baseball at, at, at that time. For many years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that's what no one the, gives the Angelos family credit for that.
1: I'm. Let me make my point here. And, and yeah, this is uh, the the uh, that the problem is the market size and how the Orioles had been one of the baseballs absolutely. Brilliant success stories in terms of putting together a ballpark and a winning tradition and a way of uh, of running their their organization and marketing their team that was just extremely successful. And Major League Baseball took that away from them, and now they're forced into this division which has the major Canadian metropolis. Even though you know that that and get sixty cents will get you a I don't know what it'll get you out of a machine these days. Maybe a bucket a quarter will actually get you a, a Coke out of a machine, but you, you, you have that problem. You have, you have the fact that Boston is in the division. You have New York in the division. Part of what I would have wanted with the nationals moving here is a switch of divisions
2: is it, the, the Orioles well, move to the national league East. We're going to get that when they go to 32 two, teams, we're going to see we strike fours. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And when they, and when they do that, it makes sense. They're working their way there. We got rid of the DH. We expanded mm-hmm. this year, uh, to play every team in the majors every year mm-hmm. where right now we're playing every national league team either at their home or in our home. And then it flips. So like last weekend we were in Atlanta, I, I, I they, got it. They, it's, so it's the more it's balanced
1: schedule, but it's not the balanced schedule. No,
2: it's right. But it's all getting rid of the DH in order to expand this. It's all leading up to 32 teams where we restructure. Okay. And when we restructure, that's why they're trying to build an Orioles nationals rivalry. Cause when they restructure, they'll probably be in the same division. Okay, and then and that would make sense. And then who would be the who would be the teams that that get lumped with the uh, the Yankees and Red Sox, the Blue Jays and the Phillies? Uh, yeah. So it'll be if you look, it's interesting if you look at the schedule. They try to pair people up, so it's the Yankees and the Mets. They're going to work them into a division together. I I don't agree. There's two. There's there's your if when you have those situations, I think in Chicago too, I think they'll keep them in opposite leagues. I don't know i think I think they're moving towards region and region ball on how they divide it up, and I think that's also part of looking at expansion adding another west Coast team and another East Coast team as they divide up by region. I think by region you then also save money on airfare and everything that helps balance out the future of the game that's a that's a um
1: that is a relatively small offsetting value. It is when they travel. When you compare it to, to the to the value of having New York teams in both leagues, is a real boon to the game in general. I mean, a lot of people would well, say it's not terrible that the Yankees have been good and have been one of the best teams the entire history of baseball, pretty much, because that's done. It, you know, been
2: so closely tied in to the success of the league as a whole. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that that's true. And maybe they'll do, instead of uh, four-eighths, or eight-fours, they'll do 4 eighths. So you'll have the four teams. So then that way you can keep Yankees and Mets in separate with other East Coast teams if you want. But the latest uh, notes I saw kind of put the Red Sox, Mets, Yankees, and Phillies in a group, the Reds, uh, Guardians, Tigers, and Blue Jays in a group. The Pirates are not put, in
1: that group, huh? Okay.
2: No, that would put the Orioles in with – the expansion team of either—I forgot—Charlotte, Charlotte, and Nashville are both making a, a push. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, you could butt the Orioles and the, the whatever this expansion team is, and the Pirates and Nationals together.
1: Um, so the Pirates would be in the in the division with the Orioles, okay? Right,
2: Pirates, National, Orioles, and then another team that's Nashville, if you got Charlotte, um, Charlotte Nashville. Then down south, you've got Atlanta, Miami. Tampa Bay, Nashville could roll into there also if you did Charlotte and Nashville. That's where I think this this expansion is not is very interesting because they're looking at these market sizes, but also how to structure the division. Because they want this regions because baseball is becoming a regional sport. There's very few names that people know across the country for baseball. There's Otani, there's Trout, there's Judge. But when you can't close it into regions. It fits into that market and fits into these local TV deals where you can really push these names in your region and then expand out. If what you're talking about would be
1: returning to a more heavily weighted divisional schedule once they go to eight fours, and I think it's got to be eight fours and not four eights, unless you're going to have be talking about having four wild
2: card teams, which I I guess they could do. You're right; it'd probably be, I would, yeah, I would probably eight fours. Okay, so if they had if they had eight fillers, then you can have two wild cards also, right? Right, and yeah, and expand the fact that they expanded playoffs is also part of that Mm -hmm. whole thing, and it's watching what the NHL and NBA are doing. They're both divided by region, as well, right now.
1: Yes, mostly. Okay, I don't don't want to argue that fact. Let's let's get let's keep going on this. The the, uh, if okay, so. I guess I, I, I'm not really satisfied, to be honest, with the explanation of, of how the divided market doesn't lead to only one team at some point. So even if you know the the Orioles have effectively light a 15-year fuse with a new uh, lease that they sign with a lot of money involved, it means that's they're effectively hitting free agency again in 15 years. Now I'll be 75. I'm right. not sure I'll care as much, but I will.
2: <laughs> no, and I think, I think it's. I think it's. We're used to. I think thinking of D.C. and Baltimore as one market is what we were used to for so long, and we have to accept it that it's not a large market. It's two small markets, and it's. We, and we... there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of small markets in baseball, and yes, it's hard for a small market team to keep up with the New York Yankees. But we've seen it done by the Tampa Bay Rays all the time. I mean, Bal- I believe the Baltimore market's the same size as Kansas City, and Kansas City has, has been, no-
1: generally speaking, the most unsuccessful franchise over the last three or four decades, going back you know, if, yeah. the time since their '85 World but Series there, win. But
2: there's no talk of Kansas City leaving.
1: Yeah, uh, I I have not heard of that. It's true they don't they don't have another competing. Uh, but there's, there's the Midwest is a little bit different too. Josh is like in the East. Like I, I, I grew up, I hate to drive. I, I, I don't want to drive even an hour to go anywhere. That's too far. Two hours is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not driving two hours for anything. Um, I, I, I'll fly to a football game, but for a baseball game, baseball has got to be close. It's got to be 30 minutes away. And this is one of the things in, in the Midwest, people are used to, you know, jumping in the car and driving seven hours on a weekend each way like you know it's, this is crazy talk but but it's you know people are happy to do that and you look at who's at a chiefs game i mean it's the geographic spread of the people is enormous you look at who's at a royals game you get less but still a good amount of geographic spread on that area i i think their market um you know it it may not have the population you know locally n- not nearly what what baltimore has but
2: but it's got more in the area that they actually draw from all right then I would say, look at a team like San Diego. We have a larger market than San Diego. If you want to, if you want to compare it to another baseball team that's that's doing well, that's drawing well, San Diego is a smaller market size. Yeah, they've they've definitely gone the big money. Uh... No, they they have. They've spent money, but winning, but winning and big names had brought it, and I think that's what we're about to see in Baltimore is the growth of winning. We talk about. Everyone made fun of Michael Eis for at the end of the season saying like liftoffs here or something. And it's not just about this team as his team gets better. The crowds show up. We saw it this weekend. The crowds will continue to get better. And if, and if in the next three years, the Orioles win the world series that gets you a crowds for a few years. Yeah. That locks you in. Now the nationals have gone from world series to three years later, putting a horrible team on the field and attendance really dropped. It's about that stability and keeping up with it with, keeping your team going and that's a lot of why you see Mike Elias talk about how it's not about one year it's about longevity okay I mean that's that's
1: good and and the, the Orioles without Elias I don't know how they'd have pulled through this the Elias operation obviously came in here and has, and has performed a miraculous turnaround on this organization which is wonderful they didn't even have that in the in the early 90s when they moved to Camden Yards they they you know the 89 team was, was a unbelievable and you know so far gone you know this is like yesterday to me but it's but a lot of people didn't hey, you know th- that are listening to the show probably never never saw the 89 orioles play never even saw an 89 highlight film but it was basically it was a fairly young team that wasn't all terrifically talented by any stretch i mean the big superstar right. pitchers were jeff ballard and bob Malackey who never never had another good year either of them and and they, the uh, uh, the guys they had you know producing offensively for them were a bunch of guys who, other than Cal Ripken, who didn't really have a particularly good year, were a bunch of guys who never really did much again, either. Uh, either, uh, Milligan was a pretty good hitter for a while, and Devereaux was a little bit of something for a while. Brady Anderson obviously still was around for the 96 and 97 teams, but the 80, 89 Orioles, I mean, they really were like a 69 Mets type of miracle in terms of what they accomplished. The, the, the 92 to 97 Orioles, they grew out of not really very much of anything at that point. It wasn't a, a, they didn't spend to get there. They moved to a new stadium. They got a lot of surplus attendance from that move, I would, I would postulate. Yes. And from, and, from Cal's streak helped a lot there too. It, it did in the, it, it helped through 95. You, you're right in the, in, in that sense. And then they, they, uh, but, but uh, there was a, there was a, you know, being a guy who who really understood the mechanics of what was going on at the time, I'll just say there was a demand for tickets that drove additional demand for tickets. There was a scarcity value yes. to what the what the Orioles had with with tickets at that point. Um, it was just a it was a it was a once in a lifetime situation for a city to have a deal like that, and it lasted in Baltimore for six, seven years, right? 92 through 97, roughly, they, they maintained the, the yes. great levels of attendance. Um, you know, it's it just,
2: I, I, I don't know if they'll ever, ever have oh, that again, but I think- No, you will never have that again because you had magic there. You had a brand new ballpark. Mm-hmm. You had a, you were a large market team and technology wasn't where it was today where I can watch the game clear on my phone uh, sitting outside at my home clearer than I could have watched it on TV back then. If you Mm -hmm. go back and watch any of those, it's hard to watch baseball and follow the ball in the old pre-HD stuff. So there's something there where the experience at home for football, for football, it's again, it's about the diehards. More people watch football at home. I enjoy football better at home because I can see everything better than when I'm at the stadium. For me, I'm a baseball guy. So I prefer going to the stadium because you're part of the moment, part of the system. But I also understand that there's 81 games at home and Mm -hmm. I can watch most of them perfectly fine on my phone or on the TV. So there's a technology aspect that we're going to see things adjust. I mentioned earlier, you're going to start seeing smaller stadiums in sports because of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be part of attendance isn't going to be the only factor on how you judge uh, baseball teams in the future i mean f- fair enough i mean we we it, it one of the
1: problems with other measures than attendance is that you don't really have uh non-opaque metrics to look at so right. if, if they're making a lot of money through a regional broadcast network i can't see it i can't i can't audit it i can't i can't see if it's if if they're what they're hiding i can't see how they've got their ownership right. structure that might be might be they you know, dividing the profits differently
2: right and baseball's also working on restructuring that Baseball wants to bring in and pull back in some of their uh, rights, kind of like the NFL does, so that they can do like an NFL ticket type thing. Like a peacock in the Sunday early crap. Right. Well, they're All doing that. that. But eventually, like, they don't – right now it's tricky. Like, Masson can't stream their stuff on their own because they signed deals with Comcast and Verizon. So major, what Major League Baseball hates is the blackouts because they understand mm-hmm. that's an old thing that they got to get away from. And football is doing a little bit of that too where they realize that, hey – we need to move away from this yeah. and move away. So it's, there's the future there that we can't project and expect, but we know that as more opportunity grows, these big corporations do a great job at getting their hands in there and making sure they're making money out of those regions as well.
1: So last question, and then we'll let this go, is, is why is the NFL uh, so far ahead of baseball in terms of the brilliance of revenue sharing and a salary cap and is there still a hope that this could come to baseball to save the sport? Not to set you up with a one-sided
2: question here. Uh, TV rights is definitely part of, re, of re, is money sharing. That's coming to baseball. They're doing it already with the luxury tax, and that's how they're getting around it. But it's a part soft of, cap. Right. But, but also, it's, it's taking some of the money from the larger markets so that when the Yankees do well in baseball, it feeds to all of them the games that are on ESPN, Peacock, Apple, and uh, Fox. Where, and I don't think ESPN has baseball anymore. But all those deals go to everyone. So that's, that's part of their revenue sharing and a thing like that. And I think you're going to see that start to expand where it's not the Nationals stealing the money from the Orioles because they're going to start just splitting money as they pull in split TV money with everyone is part of that. As far as they cap... I don't think you will ever see a cap in baseball because baseball has the strongest uh, player union out of any sport. And it's the players that will never want the cap. Well, players won't want the cap, but there's plenty of
1: owners who don't want the cap either. What, what are the rules for uh, implementing a new change among the owners in baseball? Is it a three-quarters majority like it is in football? Um.
2: Well, everything has to be agreed. The union has to no, sign off. So we'll to
1: get, get to that second. I'm talking about the ratification just among the owners. So we'll talk about the. We'll talk about how they get it past the players. Second, how, how, what do they have to do it, it, to agree internally? Do they need? Do they need 24 out of or, or, or sorry, 23 out of 30 or whatever it would be? Or do they need? Do they need a? Sure. Uh,
2: um, I don't know what the number is. Okay, right so that, that, it's not that, coming up easily on Google. That's a real interesting number because that's the one
1: that that says how far down can we vote away the large the large teams' money. And that's what capitalism is, you know. The old statement: it's it's uh, two wolves, <laughs> two
2: wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. what, what democracy? Right, is. right. So, no, and it's and that's where Major League Baseball has. You know, a lot of times they get away around that with rules committees and stuff to deal with that. So I do not see a great number on. Uh, ownership actual voting okay
1: so it's it's that at least is open in the NFL and you know what's uh, you know what's going on in terms of failures of things to pass uh, and, and then you're right they'd have to get it by the players too in terms of, of uh, getting it but it would come with a revenue sharing amount so that the the other side of that is the players yeah they're upset with the fact that 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 they lose potentially some higher end salaries, but in general, there might be more money in total payrolls because revenue sharing might demand it yes and so uh, I think I, I, I think that the players honestly would be fairly agnostic to it if they could be if it could be demonstrated to them that the total payroll in major league baseball were as high or higher
2: from it well remember uh, we we just had a a player lockout type situation last season. And it was definitely a, we're not even going to talk about a cap and the players pushed. And what the players did get was a lot more money for minor league balls, ball players, and uh, a lower minimum salary. So there's got a, there's definitely a balance there. Um, But I know the, uh, the union is very strong and very anti-cap. All right. Well, fair
1: enough, and and that may be the, the the sticking point is that it can never be, it can never be overcome. I will say that the in football, the older players basically take money from the younger players. Is that right. the players coming into the league don't make nearly what they otherwise should make, or they, they they basically are make the younger players a terrific value proposition relative to the older players, which is a uh, a a good way to basically price a lot of older players out of the game. And, and that's basically what's happened to a lot of veterans. And they're talking about guaranteed contracts and thinking that's going to have the consequence they intend. Um, they'll be about as likely to get what they want out of this as uh, Putin was getting, getting from the, the Ukraine invasion what he wanted out of it. It's, it there's so many unintended consequences from, uh, from having more money go to older players with the first being that teams want fewer older players. They say, fine, right. we're, we're, we're agnostic to how we spend this money. But I tell you what, if you're, if you're, if you're saying we've got to pay, uh, you know, Mr. Five-Year Veteran A, or we can pay a guy on his rookie contract B, and B is 20% of A, then they're going to choose a lot of Bs. And uh, and and you know they're going to be okay with it in terms of spending the same dollars in the end. But the the, uh, the net effect of it is there's going to be only a few players making the big multi-year contracts and and uh, that are guaranteed, and uh, more veterans who are just out of football earlier because of it. And uh, I don't, I honestly, I, I don't understand the NFL Players Association's view on this. And baseball oh. and their union be be well advised to keep a fairly linear cap relationship. Between the veterans and their and the younger players,
2: yeah, and you saw this with, you've seen this with other sports where, um, Dominic Foxworth was very key in the NFL negotiations, mm-hmm. and what happened is the NBA then called him and said, "Hey, come help us with our negotiations." So there, there are they. I'm sure they're watching the NFL and seeing how this is. But I know in as early as February, Tony Clark, who is the um, president of the Players Association said, we're not going to agree to a cap. Let me start there. We don't have a cap. We're not going to agree to a cap. A salary cap is the ultimate restriction on a player's value and a player's salary. We believe in the market system. And, and they should start there in terms of, of, of what they do. And
1: in the end, if they were assured that the total dollars of salary were available would be equal or greater via a revenue sharing agreement, I think they have a harder time saying no to that sort of a deal. Of course, the owners right. may have a harder time saying
2: yes to it because it may not be possible. No, it's something yeah. with the collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. And they've been focused on using that for the minor league players, so they would be how they'd have to balance that out somehow. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right,
1: Josh, outstanding to talk this uh, about this with you. I know this is obviously a very uh, uh, engaging back and forth in terms of uh, of a lot of topics, and probably one we could talk for about four hours on. I I would think.
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I've I've argued this so many times because I want people to show me why the Orioles are going to move, and I haven't found any legit reason to believe they're going to move. I, I can point to 1961 and 1971. Those—that's yep. the reason why a team is
1: going to move out of this market, out of one of these two markets.
2: Yeah, but we have two football teams in the same market for now. And but uh, yeah. <laughs> but but hey, the Commanders just made made Dan Snyder a ton of money in the same market, so um, they're not worried about that yet. I did sit, I did find the rule in it takes 75 percent of ownership. to agree so that's about 22 out of the 30 teams be 20 be 23 because
1: you i'm sure you won't pass at 22 so you've got to find you can only have seven teams that that think they would lose by giving up their ability to outspend the others that sounds like a very high mountain to climb in terms of getting revenue
2: sharing no i could i could probably count seven right now that would say no Mm -hmm. so because there's always a big disparity in the top 10 payrolls in baseball compared to the others. Right. Josh, a complete pleasure to talk, this, talk about this
1: week. I hope people enjoyed this episode. And uh, if anyone else out there has ideas about, uh, about this and the Baltimore-Washington uh, rivalry in general for, the, for the, what I would call the single market and would like to discuss it, DM me on Twitter. I'm, I'm open to more discussion of this sort. Josh, uh, tell folks where they can find your stuff online.
2: Yeah, they can find my podcast at section336.com for Section 336. And then I have a whole line of Baltimore Orioles-related shirts over at birdlandsports.com that's been a lot of fun to make uh, each week. I've got new designs going up there, and it's starting to really take off, so check that out as well. All right. Other folks out there, uh, if, if you want
1: to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Always appreciate hearing for you. I'll get right back to you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.